With Mother's Day coming up this weekend, I felt like now might be a good time to bring up a question that I get asked a lot at networking events. And frankly, it's none of your fucking business and I'm sick and tired of answering it. Welcome to episode 39, where I am taking on the question, do you have kids? Welcome to This Shit Works, your weekly no-nonsense guide to networking your way to more friends, more adventures, and way more success with your host, Julie Brown. Here we go. This episode is sponsored by Nickerson, a full-service branding, marketing, PR, and communications agency with team members in Boston, LA, Miami, and New York City. To be honest, it's not so much the question that bothers me. It's the reaction to my answer that bothers me. The reaction I get from complete strangers, mine I add, when they hear that my answer is no, I do not have kids. You see, so many people think that when you are a woman, marriage and then children is the path that you're supposed to take. And if you willingly deviate from that path, then there must be something wrong with you. I will say that the decision to not have children is not one that I or any other woman takes lightly, especially when we live in a society where you are supposed to be a mother, you are supposed to want children, where motherhood is the mantle on which you lay the trophies that prove that you are a real woman. There's a book titled, What to Expect When You're Expecting. It lays out all the miraculous changes going on inside your body over the course of your pregnancy. Every single one of my friends has used this book to guide them through their pregnancy. I wanna write a book titled, what to expect when you're not expecting, to outline all the stupid shit people will say to you in order to convince you that you should have kids, that you are making a huge mistake if you don't. When people find out that you don't have kids, they not only think that they have the right to try and change your mind, they think that it's their job because they know in all of their infinite wisdom that the decision that you have made for yourself is the wrong decision. They think you are making the wrong decision because you have money and could easily provide for a child. They forget that money doesn't buy happiness. It won't make kids happy either. What can make kids happy is actually having parents that want kids, not parents that had kids because it's what society expected them to do. They think you are making the wrong decision because you love your husband, so you should want to have his kid. On a side note here, the evidence overwhelmingly shows that children add stress to a marriage and marital satisfaction decreases when you have kids. Having a baby will not fix a marriage. They think you are making the wrong decision, and this is one of my favorites, because you are pretty. Yes, we all know what the world needs is more pretty people having kids they don't want. They think you are making the wrong decision because, and this might be my second favorite, Because if I don't have kids, who will take care of me when I am old? To which I say, have you ever gone to a nursing home? They are filled with old people whose kids never come to see them. Over the years, I have been told more times than I can possibly count that I will change my mind. I am now 45. 
The window to my fertility is almost completely closed. The hands of my biological clock have almost stopped ticking, and I still have not changed my mind. And yet, to this day, people need to tell me that I still have some time. Society will tell you that in order for you to be happy and live a life of meaning, you need to have children. I have been told that I will regret my decision. I have been told that I am selfish. I have been told that I can't understand true love because you only learn that kind of love when you push a child out of your vagina. I've been told that Chris and I aren't a family because you aren't a family unless you have kids. That last one, that one hurts most of all. The reason I bring all of this up is that this is a question that I've gotten over and 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 over again in business and networking events. Just the other day, I was in a Zoom meet and greet with a gentleman who asked me if I had kids. When I responded that I didn't, that I had two dogs, his response was, it's not the same. My story is not a sad one. I never wanted children, so I didn't have them. But there are women who have heartbreaking stories of trying to conceive and not being able to, of going through multiple rounds of in vitro that never took, of heartbreaking miscarriages, of wanting nothing more than to have a child and not being able to. Believe me, those women do not need you telling them that having a dog is not the same as having a child. His response was cold and unnecessary. One that for me didn't dredge up pain and anguish or pull the scab off an unhealable wound, revealing how fresh and raw it still was underneath. But he didn't know that. He had just met me. When I made the decision to not have children, I felt very, very alone. I did wonder if there was something wrong with me. If I had been born lacking the gene that would make me want to be a mom because I just didn't want to be one. I don't feel that way anymore. As I got older... I met more and more women in happy, fulfilling relationships who had also decided for one reason or another to not have children. In the U.S. and other industrialized countries around the world, the number of women who postpone having kids or who have decided to not have children is on the rise. In the U.S. in 2014, almost half of all women between the ages of 18 and 39 had no children. This figure is the highest percentage since the Census Bureau started measuring it in 1976. If half of women do not have children, why are we not better represented in pop culture? Think about it. Name one woman on a television show or a movie who is single and successful or married and successful and not stereotyped as overly ambitious, putting their career before all else, self-centered or cold-hearted because they don't have children. I can only think of one. I remember watching Sex in the City when I was in my 20s. I loved that Carrie Bradshaw and Big ended up together and that their storyline didn't end with the inevitable and Baby Makes Three. I vividly remember the episode where it was Carrie and Big's anniversary. She gave him a Rolex watch with an engravement on the underside of the face that read, Me and you, just us two. This was the first time I had ever seen an on-screen couple happy, in love, and fulfilled, just the two of them. We need more fictional role models living fulfilling lives without kids. Today's women are turning over tables and upending what is expected of them and everyone else needs to catch up. Mother's Day is this weekend. Have you ever wondered why we celebrate Mother's Day? 
Well, here's a little history lesson for you straight from Encyclopedia Britannica. Anna Jarvis of Philadelphia, whose mother had organized women's groups to promote friendship and health, originated Mother's Day on May 12, 1907. She held a memorial service at her late mother's church in Grafton, West Virginia. Within five years, virtually every state was observing the day, and in 1914, U.S. President Woodrow Wilson made it a national holiday. Although Jarvis had promoted the wearing of white carnations as a tribute to one's mother, the custom developed of wearing a red or pink carnation to represent a living mother or a white carnation for a mother who was deceased. Over time, the day was expanded to include others, such as grandmothers and aunts who played mothering roles. Seems sweet, right? But the truth is that Jarvis spent the last years of her life trying to abolish the holiday she had brought into being. She had originally wanted Mother's Day to be a very private acknowledgement of all the mother does for the family. Shortly after the official launch of Mother's Day, Jarvis begins to sense she's created a monster when she sees the florist, card, and candy industries cashing in on Mother's Day and public interest groups using the holiday to make political statements. She rails against exploitation of what was supposed to be a special, reverential day for families. She even endorses open boycotts against florists who raise the prices of white carnations every May. This story does not have a happy ending. Anna Jarvis dies at age 84, alone and penniless from the various legal battles she waged over trying to put an end to the holiday that she started. Ain't that a pisser. The truth is that there is no love like the love between a mother and her child. Just like there is no love like the love between a husband and wife or the love between siblings. Each love is unique to that relationship. Most people would assume that I don't have kids because I hate kids, and that's not true. I love my nieces and my nephews and my friends' kids. When my nephew Riley was born, my sister had an emergency C-section. I had been with her for hour upon hour prior to that as she labored. We walked the halls of the maternity ward. We played endless games of gin rummy. We watched TV. We told stories. We laughed. We waited. But the baby was just not coming. So finally, the call was made to operate. I got to hold Riley before my sister did, his precious life just minutes old. If any experience was ever going to change my mind about having a child of my own, it would have been that experience. And it didn't. Like I said, I didn't make this decision lightly. No woman ever does. It's a very personal decision. In some of my speeches, when I talk about the list yourself approach, I will mention that I don't have kids, that I indeed have dogs, even though it's not the same thing. On occasion, I will receive a DM or an email after the speech from a woman in the audience wanting to talk to me about my decision because she also doesn't want to have kids and somehow feels broken or more often than not pressured by others to change her mind. I want to reiterate the statistic that in the U.S., almost half of all women between the ages of 18 and 39 have no children. If this is the statistic, we need to normalize it in our society. I'm hoping that this episode goes a small way in starting to do that. Jesus. Okay, that was deep. Can Can a girl get a drink around here? That's some heavy shit. So the cocktail of the week comes to you from a couple of different angles. The Kentucky Derby was last week, and we all know the drink of the Derby day is the mint julep. But there's another cocktail that is the official drink of the day before the Derby, and that is the Oaks 
Lily. And I'm picking this one because the newest addition to my family, my niece who was born on January, her name is Lily. So that's why I'm picking the Oaks Lily. Here we go. It's one ounce of vodka, half ounce of orange liqueur. So I'm going to use Cointreau. Half ounce of simple syrup, half ounce of lemon juice, and three ounces of cranberry juice. You need some lemon wedges and fresh blackberries as well. So you fill a Collins glass or a highball glass with ice, add vodka, orange liqueur, lemon juice, simple syrup, and cranberry juice, and then stir. Garnish with the lemon and a fresh blackberry. So it's kind of like a riff on a Cosmo, which makes me think back to that Sex and the City episode, which kind of brings this whole thing full circle. Thanks for sticking it out with me during this episode. I know it was a lot, but I feel like it had to be talked about. Thank you so much for being here with me week after week. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. Until next week, where I will undoubtedly have a lighter topic to discuss. Cheers. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a tip. And remember, you can unapologetically be who you authentically are and still be wildly successful. That's a fact. See you next week on This Shit Works.